We're turning this morning away from the book of John, although John is filled with wonderful Father's Day material, with the huge theme of the son's obedience to the father. But we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. Turn there, please. You have your Bible with you. Some of these shorter letters can be hard to find sometimes. And we're going to just look at a few verses. Colossians 3, 18 through 21. These, These few verses have a wonderful flow to them. They take you through the whole family and tie it all together with the father of the family and his responsibilities. And so the sermon this morning is related especially to fatherhood, to those of us who are fathers and the young men who hope to be fathers one day, and who are already getting much practice with the children of the church. And it's not so much a sermon to honor you as much as it is a call to watch yourself and to make sure you are doing the work with an eye to understanding what the gospel has to say about being a father. And of course, you women and children are addressed in this passage, like I said, it ties the whole family together and shows us how things ought to be. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture if we can see it. So please stand for the reading of God's Word from Colossians 3, 18 through 21. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, so that they will not lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So many commands in these few short verses, right? Commands to wives that they would be subject to their husbands. Commands to husbands to love their wives and not to be embittered against them. Commands to children to be obedient in all things. And then tying it all together in a big bow, the command to the fathers to not exasperate their children, so that they will not lose heart. It's easy to exasperate children, isn't it? Easy to exasperate children. You can exasperate children simply by going too far in anything. 
anything. You can exasperate your son by going too far in your teasing, by going too far in your tickling. You can exasperate your son by going too far in roughhousing or going too far in scaring. All these things that a son may find fun, right? You can, you can actually take them and make them the source of exasperation for a son. But really, that's not the focus of Paul's exhortation to Father. He's speaking of obedience just before this. And so, as we, as we look at the interplay, the relationship in, in the family, and we see how the husband and the wife are to interact with one another, and we see how the children and the fathers are to interact with one another, what we see is this this picture that doesn't make a lot of sense to us in our human nature. By default, we have a different idea of what the human family would look like. And the reason that we have a different idea by default is in part because our own family is different than this, right? It's in part because we have not been obedient to these commands as children. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. But of course, the reason we haven't been obedient to our fathers, to our mothers, many times is their fault, right? Because they have exasperated us. Our father has exasperated us. Or because our father has been embittered against our mother. Our father has not loved our mother, and so we don't respect him. Or because our mother has not been subject to our father, as is fitting in the Lord. And so then, as children, this call to obey our parents in all things, we've got all of these excuses for what the problems are with our parents, and we blame them for the way we've turned out. And then, we end up growing up, and being fathers and mothers, and we realize we're still sinning. We're sinning in the exact same way that our mothers and our fathers sinned, right? And we begin to think, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I don't want this to happen the way that it happened with my parents. And this happens with, with the best of parents. I was reading, I read a, a short article this morning by a guy who loved his father. Absolutely adored his father, and yet he felt like he could never, never meet his father's expectations, never live up to what his father expected from him. His father was a lightweight boxing champion, 
military man, teamster, pitcher. And this guy couldn't do most of those things. And so he felt like he was a disappointment to his dad until I think he said, you know, he was like 63. He finally, and his dad had been dead for 30-some years, he finally said to himself, you know what, I'm done trying to, I'm done trying to prove myself to my dad. Done trying to live up to those expectations that I felt like he had for me. And what I really need to do is make sure that it doesn't take my children 64 years. to get to this point. Well, can you imagine coming to that realization when you're in your 60s? Well, I can imagine it. (laughs) How old are his kids now? This interplay in the family relations, you know, there's, there's just no escaping it. Even if you didn't have a father, if he was just gone from the time you were an infant, all right? What that does is it affects you for the rest of your life. If he was a great, if he is, is still a great father, okay, um, he's affecting you. How he treats your mother is affecting you. How your mother lives in his home is affecting you. Even if you're not living there anymore, it's affecting you. Your in-laws' relationship with one another is affecting you, and not just through your, uh, not just through your husband or wife, and them being affected by it, and therefore that affecting you, but watching them, you'll be like them. I remember one time leaving Wisconsin, where. My in-laws live, and Heidi and I were acting towards one another exactly the way her mom and dad act towards one another. And we just said to ourselves, we're driving away, let's not. Let's not do that. We've got enough of our own sins. We don't need to add their sins into the mix, right? They have their own strengths and weaknesses, but it affects us. And so what's my, what's my point? Well, you think, of, you think of fatherhood, and nothing, nothing is more drastic in its effect on each one of us than fatherhood and how it's done or not done, how it's done well or done poorly. Nothing will affect us more. Our mothers will have an amazing influence on us. And you think of Augustine and the influence of years of prayer and faithfulness on the part of his mother. Not his father, right? His mother. 
is responsible by the grace of God for him coming to faith finally, repenting and beginning to live a life for God. And yet, if your mother goes to church and takes you to church with her every week, and your dad doesn't go, the likelihood when you leave the home of you continuing to go to church is very small. But if your father takes you to church every week and your mom doesn't go, the likelihood of you continuing to go to church after you leave the home is very high. Odd that, isn't it? It goes against all of the grain. It cuts against the grain for us to think that there would be any difference there. Because we're, we're ensconced in this society that denies that there's any difference between mothers and fathers and calls them both parents. Right? Well, of course they are both parents. But one of those parents is a mother. And one of those parents is a father. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. If you've ever watched Pride and Prejudice, uh, or read the book, preferably read the book, you'll see this in any of the different versions of Pride and Prejudice, though that are movies. Uh, you see the relationship between the daughters to their father, and their father is a wicked man, which you don't really, you're not, you're not naturally gonna, gonna think right off the bat as you see him because compared to the mother who's just crazy, right? He is stable and reasonable. And so why do I say he's evil? Well, I say he's evil because he has become embittered against his wife. It's exactly what this passage says he's not to do, right? Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. And yet, what does he get right? What he gets right is that he does not exasperate his children so that they do not lose heart. At least to a certain degree, he gets that. When, the, when their mother is exasperating them, they can come to him and he does not exasperate them. And those are the places that make you love him in spite of his complete failing to lead his home. Right? Why does that make such a big difference in causing us to like him? Because really, he's just another checked out dude. Just another checked out dad who isn't leading his family is embittered against his wife, all of these problems that flow from his lack of taking responsibility for things, 
including the loss of one of his daughters off into crazy land, right? And this is a normal experience for us as we look around. You look around and you look at Christian families, okay? And you look at those that have a checked out dad and see what happens with the daughters and how many of them go searching for someone who will give them real affection. And they go flying off the deep end. And yet, if those fathers will simply will simply be there at those times when the mother is exasperating them and they will be a non-exasperation, then you can't help but love them (laughs) for that one thing. And the reason is because fathers are so inclined to exasperate their children. It's so easy to exasperate their children. And so you see that one thing that the man gets right, and it's like, Oh, thank you. Thank you for not exasperating your children. And this is what all of us are. We're just these these huge mixtures of of sinfulness and holiness, right? And And the holiness is so beautiful in part because it contrasts with the sin. So why do I say fathers are are inclined to exasperate their children? Well, because it's easy to get on a power trip. It's easy to take tickling and teasing and roughhousing and scaring too far simply because you're having fun and you want to keep having fun even at their expense. It's just bullying, right? But You want to keep having fun. It's just about getting your own desires. It's selfish. But as I said, those are sort of the, you know, the least of the least of the concerns about exasperation. Why? Well, because typically if you push those things too far, teasing and tickling and whatnot, what happens? The child begins to cry. And then you feel terrible because you've just been being a bully, right? <laughs> and so you, you stop. That's as far as it goes. You, you know, and then you stop and you say you're sorry. But that's, so that's not where it's so dangerous. That demonstrates to us why it's so easy. Because even in those things that are little and that hardly matter, it's easy to exasperate our children. But what about the places where we're talking about obedience? Because that's what they just got done being told to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, fathers, don't exasperate them. Where are you going to destroy your children in, in exasperating them? It's in obedience. It's in that command to them to obey. How? How? Well, there's a lot of ways. And the thing is, 
it rarely ends up with them being exasperated and simply crying and you saying, oh, I'm sorry you know, for, for being mean. The exasperation cuts way, way deeper into their life. Why? Well, you see it in the text. Don't exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. You do not want children who have lost heart. That's what's at stake. When your children lose heart, you have a disaster on your hands. How, so how do we exasperate our children in ways that will make them lose heart? Like I said, it's related mostly to obedience, to their obedience, not to the, not to the surface level things where we push them to exasperation. How do we make their obedience so difficult that they become exasperated and lose heart? Well, first of all, by being inconsistent in your expectations. If you're inconsistent in your expectations, they never know what they're supposed to do. And so one moment they're allowed to do this, and the next moment they're not allowed to do this. And if there's anything that will cause you to give up and lose heart, right? That will do it if there's inconsistency. And so sometimes there's, there's, a hard, there's this hard line to, uh, to walk because where are we, you know, you know, there's lots of ways that we're inconsistent. One way is that you'll be inconsistent because you had a good day at work and you come home and you're happy and you're enjoying spending time with your family and the things that they're doing, like, climbing on you and jumping on you and all of the stuff that they're doing to try to get your attention isn't bothering you, but it's enjoyable. And so you're fine with it. And you're encouraging it by responding and interacting with them over it. And then the next day you had a bad day at work and you come home and they start climbing on you and jumping on you and grabbing you and you're like throwing them off like a gorilla against the walls. Well, that's inconsistent, right? And that will cause them to lose heart. That will exasperate them. How many of you have experienced this with your own fathers? This kind of crazy, you have no idea what you're allowed, you know, what he's going to, he's going to like it one day, he's not going to the next, he's going to yell at you for calling him names and teasing him one day, and the next day he's going to be joking with you about it. And so the natural inclination of many men at this point is to say, yeah, 
I need to be more consistent. And so, when my children, my children, don't understand the difference between sometimes teasing and bantering back and forth and other times being disrespectful in their responses, right? And so I guess we're just, I'm not going to, it's impossible, I'm not going to take on the responsibility of teaching them the difference between playing and being disrespectful. I'm just going to say, no more having fun. No more teasing, no more fun. And that's the natural reaction that many men have. It is the, it is the next step towards exasperation. Do you understand? It's the next step towards exasperation because now what you've done is you've, you've not begun to engage with your children and to teach them better. Instead, what you've done is you've just decided to make it tenfold harder to please you. And never fun to be around. There's so many ways that... So that's our response. You know, we say, okay, well, if I can't be inconsistent, then I'm going to be consistently hard-nosed. Well, that's just going to exasperate your children. I'm sorry, but don't do that. There is something to be said for inconsistency at some level. If the only thing you can get through your mind is that uh, I need to be consistent, yikes. Yikes. Because we end up making everything about our rule at that point. How else do we exasperate our children? Well, by not making our expectations clear. Or by having expectations that they literally can't understand. Because of their age or because... Whatever, right? Now, I'm always one who's pushing people to have greater expectations, higher expectations for their children, generally speaking, okay? But, uh, but I want you to be careful not to be too complex in your expectations, If all the time they're, they're allowed to do what, you know, I, you know, it, it, you got to recognize that when situations change, like or all of a sudden, let's say you're at a wedding. Well, that's a totally different scenario than they have ever seen before, right? And so if you suddenly have 
totally different expectations for them and expect them to just understand and to, to know that this is a much more serious occasion and that they're not allowed to fidget and whatever. You're going to exasperate them. One of the saddest ways that we exasperate our children is by never allowing them to meet our expectations. If we never allow our children to meet our expectations, if they can never please us, or only very rarely, then they will be exasperated. And one of the other ways that <clears throat> goes along with that, typically, is by not being willing to help them meet our expectations. Not being willing to help them. And typically, uh, this is because what we're demanding is actually just for our own benefit. And so a lot of this can, be, can come down to don't be selfish. Don't be so selfish. Your goal in, t- in raising your children is not uh, that you won't have any work. <laughs> that is the work. Raising your children. And so, um, if you're just being selfish, here's, here's what's going to happen. You are going to be inconsistent. Because when you come home, you're going to have just different things that you want to happen. And you're just going to expect everybody to know what happens when you come home and know what you want, and then, to, and then just that they ought to meet your, know what your needs are, and then to meet your needs. But of course, they're not needs, are they? They're just your random desires from the day based on your whims. You, there's, n- there's no way to avoid inconsistency at that point. And it flows out of selfishness, doesn't it? And then, if you're being selfish, the last thing you want to do is have to work at making your expectations clear or adjust your expectations based on the ability of your children. And so, you won't have clear expectations if you're being selfish. And they won't ever be able to meet your expectations if you're being selfish because there's always more that they could do in order to have made your life easier. And so your son works all day to to make you happy, to please you when you get home by chopping wood. And you get home, and he says, I chopped all the wood, Dad. And you say, well, you could have mowed the lawn. Because there's always something more, right? If it's all just about selfishness. And you're certainly not going to lift a finger to help them. 
because that would require giving of yourself. And what's the outcome of all of this? As I said, if we exasperate our children, they will lose heart. And that means that eventually what's going to happen is that they're going to stop trying to please you. They will stop trying to please you. They won't have the light of desire to please daddy in their eyes anymore. It'll be a dead, maybe obedience, but a dead obedience. And they may pretend for a while, they may pretend for a long time, But pretend is so pathetic, isn't it? It's like the guy in the, in the jail who is always talking a good holy talk. And you find out he's the worst guy there, and every time he gets out, he's back in jail immediately. I don't want to hear this pretend trying to please me. Please, God. And if they stop trying to please you, they, <clears throat> they, they might become detached or sullen. Well, there's no hope. I just, you know, I just do nothing until I'm disciplined and forced to do something, and then... I do it because now at least I have a clear expectation and I can do it. Or they may become compliant, doing whatever you tell them without complaint, no matter how often it changes or how impossible it seems, work as hard as they can all the way up until the moment they snap. But eventually, the son or daughter that has lost heart will stop trying. Because if you have lost heart, the heart is the motive. The motive is gone. The love is gone. In so many places, you see this sort of thing. You see that somebody's just going through the motions, and you say, well, there's no heart in it. Right? And it's like, nobody wants something that's given without heart. Nobody wants obedience that's given without heart. Nobody wants relationship that's heartless. And certainly, we don't want children that have, that have lost the heart behind their obedience. Now the temptation then is to use that as an excuse to stop disciplining our children. And certainly discipline is one of the foremost ways that we exasperate our children by 
disciplining them when our expectations have been unclear and they have tried to meet them and have failed, not because of any fault in themselves or unwillingness to obey, but simply because you were inconsistent, you had unclear expectations, whatever the reason. And so, and then, and then they're getting a spanking for it. And it's like, what? What do you want from me? Of course, a three-year-old can't talk that way. But the older kids, no, discipline is, avoiding discipline is not the answer. Stop exasperating them is the answer. And one of the ways that you stop exasperating them is, yes, by not disciplining in wrong situations, in wrong ways. But the godly father who loves his children disciplines them without exasperating them. The father that stops disciplining has actually stopped loving. And that's where you're going to run into losing heart maybe even faster than any other way. I was at Starbucks the other day. I'm at Starbucks every day, pretty much. So it's not nothing, nothing new. But there were two children there who were not being obedient to their mother, right? <clears throat> All she wanted them to do was take one step, well, for them, probably two steps closer to her so that they were out of the way in the aisle. And I'm standing next to her in line, and She's talking to the kids who are right in front of her, and therefore they're right in front of me too, right? Come here. Come over here. Don't stand over there. Come over here. And, of course, they're just completely ignoring her. And so I simply looked at them and I said, Oh, no. You're not obeying your mother? And you know what they did? They stepped right over to their mother, just like that. Why? Because I had scared them? No, I hadn't scared them at all. They were just desperate for somebody to love them enough to correct them, to discipline them. So desperate, in fact, that as soon as I stopped giving them attention. Step back. Looking over at me. Just looking for, for somebody to love them and discipline them. That's all it was. Those children had not yet lost heart weird. They, they had not let yet lost heart because what they were doing was they were disobeying because they still had a hope that someone somewhere would tell them no. But they were well on their way to losing heart.
In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of our earthly fathers disciplining us for a short while as seems best to them, however they want, is what it says. But our heavenly father disciplines us for our good. And so this is what I want to say to the rest of us. When Paul says in Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That goes completely contrary to our, our first inclination of don't exasperate your children must mean leave them to do whatever they want. Don't provoke your children to anger is set up in opposition, though, to, to bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, what this gets us to is God the Father. Bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord draws us to the hope of having God as our Heavenly Father, in spite of the fact that our own fathers have exasperated us in all the ways that I just got done saying, even the best of our fathers have been checked out, have been inconsistent, have failed to discipline us when we needed it, have disciplined us when we didn't need it. But who is God? God is our Heavenly Father. And he is a father who demands perfection. He demands perfection. And we all now face the temptation, as soon as we hear that, to be exasperated about that, don't we? How can he demand perfection? Doesn't he know what we are? Doesn't he know how weak I am? How dare he demand perfection? And you are going to be tempted when you, as you begin to realize what that means when he says, be ye perfect as I am perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. As you begin to dwell on that and think on that, there's only two directions that you can go with it. Either you will become exasperated and you will throw him off as a father. It will look the exact same as it does when we throw off our fathers, our earthly fathers, for exasperating us. Either we'll give, it'll be a appearance obedience where we're just doing it for, to go through the actions or where we'll snap and go off the deep end, or where we will, uh, you know, be dead in the eyes, hopeless, just doing, just doing whatever until discipline comes, and then being like, yeah, he's always disciplining me. This is the same way that our children respond to us, that we are tempted to respond to our Heavenly Father, and yet our Heavenly Father's discipline is perfect and for our good. Not just as seems best to him, like our, 
earthly father's discipline. Our heavenly father demands perfection from us. And you'll be tempted when you realize what that means to lose heart. When you look around you and you see all of the fun that everybody else gets to have and that you're not able to have if you're going to be, if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to be perfect as he is perfect. When you look around you and you realize that all of the fences that used to be nice and close from your parents keeping watch over you and they're not around anymore to keep watch over you and all those fences are just gone and you can run just run and run and run out into those fields and do whatever you want without them saying, stop it. And you think it would be nice to just check out what's out there for a little bit. And then you realize that God says no. Are you going to be exasperated? When you've begun to run into sin, headlong into it, for the millionth time, despite praying that he would keep you from it, when you've begun to run headlong into it for the millionth and first time, in spite of just repenting five minutes ago and saying, I'm not going to do that again, and then you're doing it again. Are you going to lose heart? We have so many reasons that it would be perfectly legitimate for us to accuse God of evil in our own minds. He expects too much of us. He demands more from us than we're able to give. He demands perfection. He knows very well we can't be perfect. He demands perfection, and yet here I have a sinful nature, and I won't be free from it, ever. And we're believing Satan's lies, and it is Satan that is driving us to exasperation and to believe that God is not good and does not love us as a perfect, tender, heavenly Father. And how do we know? Well, for one, God does not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. That is a promise. That is a promise. And you say, yeah, but he also says that we're going to sin. And I say, yeah. But he was merciful and he provided a way of escape and you did not take it. And you say, well, yeah, that's my fault. But he's the one who gave me the sinful nature. So ultimately, I blame God. I've lost heart. I am exasperated with God. And I say, you know what? You got that sinful nature from your earthly father not your heavenly father. 
And it is your heavenly Father that gives you the way of escape. It is your heavenly Father who has given you his own Son so that you might be saved from your own sin. Do not be exasperated with him. Do not lose heart. He sent his son to fulfill the work he commanded us to do, but that we failed in. What does that mean? It means that God is not inconsistent in what he expects of us, is he? It's always perfection that he expects, that he demands. It doesn't change. It's not impossible for us to understand it either. We know what obedience looks like, don't we? He makes his expectations abundantly clear. Love him with your whole heart and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. It's easy to understand, isn't it? And then the Ten Commandments to to make it clear what that looks like, right? And yet then we say, yeah, but he never allows us to meet his expectations. And I say, wrong. Wrong. He is pleased when we obey. And he blesses us for our obedience. And he doesn't leave us without discipline when we disobey. Because he loves us. And so whether we do right or wrong actually matters to him. And he helps us to obey better and better by giving us discipline, doesn't he? And he gives us his spirit to help us live the way he expects and commands us to live. What a gift. He is willing to help us meet his expectations. What a father, a perfect father the way we all wish we could be, the way we all wish our dads had been. And ultimately, giving his only begotten son. Not just to obey, to replace our unrighteous disobedience, with his righteous obedience, but to suffer the penalty that our disobedience deserved, death. And so, fathers, that's our model. He is the father from whom all fatherhood gets its name. That's the work before us, to not exasperate. To not be inconsistent. 
to help our children meet our expectations. To take pleasure in their obedience. And to discipline their disobedience. What a wonderful, wonderful work we've been given. Can you think of anything that you'd rather do than be like God the Father to your children? What a wonderful calling. And that's what we've got today. Father's Day. Be like God. That's not what Father's Day is about, isn't it? Isn't it about the day where I get to just be totally inconsistent and have everybody just know what I want and do what I want and just get to be selfish? Isn't that what Father's Day means? No. It means the day when you're reminded that you're supposed to be like God the Father. And you say, well, now you're exasperating me, just like everybody else is already exasperated. And I say, no. No, don't give in to that temptation. God has called you to this work, and he has given you his spirit to strengthen you and help you in the work. It is not hopeless. And yes, you will sin. And yes, the sins that you commit against your children will damn you to hell if you don't repent and believe in Jesus Christ. But our Heavenly Father loves us, and He has sent His Son so that we can be forgiven even for what we do to our own children. Let's pray.